You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, Episode 67. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast this week. We are delving into the topic of mind-body connection, mind-body health, and what that all means in terms of weight loss, but also just in terms of your health in general. On this podcast, we're often talking about the importance of mindset work, of looking at your thoughts, of understanding how you must take responsibility for some of the outcomes that you have in your life. And we often talk about the importance of connecting your mind and your body again in order to accomplish all of that. And in this episode, we're going to dive into what that mind-body connection is just a little bit more and why it is so important on your weight loss journey. And in fact, just even for good health in general. And to help me help you understand all of this a little bit better, I am joined today by Ali Cass. And we had one of my most favorite interviews that I've done so far in this podcast, and I I truly hope you enjoy it as much as I did. But Ali Cass is a former margarita addict turned bodybuilding pro turned functional health and fitness coach who helps stressed out women optimize their metabolism, up-level their mindset, and shift from surviving to thriving. She's an advocate for self-love, becoming your best self through mind-body health, and showing up in your life fully alive. And her journey began in 2014 when her mother was suddenly diagnosed with a terminal form of brain cancer. Ali became one of her primary caregivers, and she became obsessed with asking the question of what makes someone truly healthy, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Unfortunately, conventional medicine didn't provide her with the cure that uh, she needed, and after her mother passed, Ellie fell into one of the biggest rabbit holes of her life, searching for the answer on how to achieve optimal health for life. And due to the grief and loss of losing her mom at such a young age, she quickly fell into a very unhealthy place, physically and mentally. She finally hired her first health and fitness coach, and that experience absolutely changed her life. She never knew it was possible to have so much energy, vibrance, and confidence. Something inside of her was ignited, and she knew that helping women achieve their best health and best life by up-leveling their nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and mindset was her passion and her purpose. She knew if she could help at least one woman become her healthiest self, that her mother's death wouldn't be in vain. And so through her own journey and that of her clients, she's also learned that it's not possible to out-exercise or out-nutrition grief and trauma, which is why she's a huge advocate in taking a mind-body approach to transforming one's health. And since the start of her own transformation, she spent years of formal and self-education completing certifications in personal training, integrative nutrition health coaching, nutritional therapy, nutrition coaching, functional nutrition and metabolism specialization, and she's currently completing a mind-body practitioner certification. She is extremely passionate about self-growth, personally and professionally, and so she can continue to help her clients transform at a deeper level. Ellie is so amazing, and I'm certain it's going to come through in this interview with her. So without further ado, here is the interview with Ellie. 
Ellie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so excited to have you here. I think that we are going to have such an amazing conversation. I think just from getting to know each other before we press record, we've got lots in common. And so before we start in with all the good juicy stuff, um, Allie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes. Um, hey, everybody. My name is Allie Cass. I'm a functional health and fitness coach, and I help high achieving stressed out women reset their metabolism, up level their mindset and shift from a surviving to thriving approach in life. Um, I got my start really in the realm of fitness, but I am so passionate about health as a holistic practice. And through my own practice and that with clients, I've come to realize that there is no one best modality. There's no one best diet, no one best workout. Um, everything is so bio-individual and everything is so integrated. And so when I work with clients, I really try to take that approach with them so that we can get results that not only work best for them, but also feel best for them. Right. And everyone, can you see why I love her? Just <laughs> Introduction. All of that will sound so familiar to the listeners of this podcast. It's amazing. And the first thing that jumped out to me when you said that was moving from surviving to thriving. It's like, oh my God, like, do I ever need that? Um, it's right. It's, it's a big deal. Is thriving actually possible? I think it is. Um, like anything in life, I think it's like this moving target, right? So it's one of those things that when we think about it, I think it's something that's constantly a practice and it's constantly something that we are striving for. Now within that, I think it's very important to find that balance and, you know, that homeostasis. We talk about that all the time when we look at the body internally, but looking at it in the bigger sense of how we are operating within our lives. Um, because I've been in this trap. I work with a lot of women who fall into this trap of constantly striving for that next thing. Um, so I think in certain ways, there's maybe that viewpoint of we could always be thriving more, but I do think it's possible to be thriving in life. And I think that comes from a combination of doing the things necessary that make you feel your best. Um, but also taking that attachment out of it and learning to just be and be in the moment and, and be present in life as well. Yeah. It's so much easier said than done though. Hey, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And like, this conversation is so timely in my own life because I've been talking about this a lot lately. And, um, I have, I, I have stopped using food for most things, except feeling overwhelmed when I'm feeling overwhelmed, that's my current Achilles heel. And what I've realized recently is that it's not so much looking at why or how I'm using food in this situation. It's looking at why I'm feeling so overwhelmed all the time to begin with and recognizing the need for a little bit more balance. And, and I, like, I think that's crucially important because sometimes, you know, these emotions or the things that make us feel so out of balance are really a symptom of, you know, something, something bigger going on. And of course, the irony is that when you're in overwhelm, you, the last thing that you do are the things that you need to do to take care of yourself. Right. And I think I would love to spend a few minutes talking about how, we can take care of ourselves to feel better. I think women tend to think that there's just no time for that. And I think the more that we do that, the more time we have for the other things that we want to do. So I'd love to hear your thoughts there. Absolutely. Um, it, it, that just 
as you were saying, that made me think of that saying when you ask someone if they meditate and people are like, no, I don't have time. And it's always those people that don't have the time to meditate that need it the most. (laughs) So I do think, I think it's us women who don't have time to take care of ourselves. who are the ones that really need it the most. Um, But in my experience personally, because I've been in various stages of life where I've gone through um, a lot of overwhelm, um, dealing with grief, negative emotions, also someone who in the past has used food as a way to kind of cope with that and to bring myself back down um, when I'm feeling flighty or feeling um, very un- or disconnected and, and not grounded. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yes, yeah, so for me in my practice and that with my clients, I find when we're in that state of overwhelm, when we're able to kind of disconnect, and that's what I kind of have clients do. I have them try to take a more objective approach and just look at it without their emotions attached to it. Just pause. Let's take a step back for a second. Um, life is going to resume. And one of the things that I've learned is that we can control time simply by how we move through our day, what our energy is like, where our awareness is at. Um, so we can, we have that ability to slow things down throughout the day, simply by dropping into where we're at in the moment and becoming more aware of what we're doing. So that's been a huge um, practice for me in my own life. And that when I work with women um, of kind of reducing that overwhelm, but I also find too, when we're able to slow down, we're able to take a pause and then we're able to shift our focus to doing those things that we know are going to make us feel better and show up better in our lives. You know, we get more done. We're more efficient. We feel better throughout the day we spend. I don't know if this is the case for you, but I know for myself, I spend so much time sometimes just thinking about all the things I have to do and dwelling on it. When in reality, if I would have just got up and acted and and did the thing, it would be over and I would be spending the same amount of time, but I would have all of that behind me. (laughs) It's, it's a hundred percent true. And if there were ever time, I wish that we could bold and underlined audio, that would be it. Because that is exactly what happens when I think most of us are in overwhelm that we're obsessing over all the things that still have to get done. And as a consequence, we're, you know, sitting here, not doing anything, not, not getting anything done. And I, the mindfulness piece is so hard, right? And, and I keep, I always tell people that it is a practice because it's something that you have to learn. And practice during seasons of your life where you can so that during these periods of overwhelm or difficulty, you've kind of, you know, already built some of those neural pathways. So it's just a little bit, a little bit easier. And I think mindfulness and meditation is the ultimate form of self-care for that very reason. I agree. I think for me, mindfulness has been something that's allowed me to open the gates to really understand myself better and what I need. And it's funny that this conversation is coming up because I just had a conversation with a client yesterday who is very in tune and has a very deep spiritual practice. And she told, she told me that she had um, a very profound meditation where parts of herself came up and she realized through exercise, nutrition, and all the things we're working on, what she felt was working well for her and what wasn't. And she was able to communicate that to me, which was amazing, but most of us don't have that level of tapping into our intuitive selves at that, at that level, but learning to cultivate that. And one thing I tell people um, that's been very helpful for me is just simply the practice of awareness, right? Like, I think that's the first step, whether it's changing your, your nutrition habits or um, your thoughts about yourself or anything that we do in life, we can't change what we're not aware of. So just 
practicing that awareness first and foremost, I think just kind of leads the path of, of starting to cultivate that mindfulness throughout different phases of life. Agreed. Yeah. And also using that mindfulness in the realm of nutrition and exercise, right? I've been having lots of conversations lately with clients who have just as unhealthy a relationship with exercise as they do with food, right? I've got some who have always felt that they have to punish their bodies with exercise to make up for their poor nutrition choices or to buy the opportunity to eat, you know, something that doesn't serve their goals, um, or they have such this, you know, aversion to it for whatever reason. And I think for both of these groups of women, it takes a little bit of, you know, stepping back and actually finding what you enjoy and how you enjoy moving your body without listening to the, you know, well, you know, resistance training is what you really should do. And like, you know, this, you know, right? All, all of the, the voices um, out there. And I think even just a simple practice of going for a walk and paying attention to how your body feels as you do that is alone a, a powerful practice. I completely agree. And that's what I'm going to do after we we're done talking. <laughs> that very thing. <laughs> Me, me, me too. It's like I, I had a shift this morning before, before this interview, Ellie, and it was, you know, first shift after a long weekend in the emergency department is always, um, you just a little bit of a gong show. And I, you know, I, I have had the urge to eat since I got home and I'm not hungry and a walk is going to do exactly, exactly what I need in such a better way for me. But you know what, it took me years to figure that out. Right. But it kind of stops with or starts with learning how to stop and take a pause and checking in to find out what it is that you really need, which is where the mindfulness practice comes in. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. I also feel that we're so and I, I was the same way. It took me so long to get to that place of being able to objectively, objectively look at the decisions I was making and take that time to say, hold on, why am I doing this? What's really underneath it? Is this serving me? Is this what I really want to do? Is this how I feel? Um, and that was, that was a journey for me as well. And I just like to to mention you were a bodybuilder at some point. I did. Yes. I, that was really my, I was an athlete growing up, but I, when I really got heavy into fitness, um, it was very shortly after my mother passed away of cancer. And I really was looking to just have a goal to work toward. And I ended up hiring a coach and that was never my intention. And, um, she talked me into it somehow. I, I was like, this is a terrible idea, but, um, the fact that it scared me so much for me was an indicator that maybe I should lean into that a little bit and just kind of explore that. And, and, um, yeah. and, but you don't do that anymore. I don't, I've actually, I've been toying with the idea. Um, I did win my pro status for the Federation I was competing for, and I never did my debut. So I've been toying with the idea of stepping back into the realm for one pro debut show. Um, but it's funny because as I've been going through that thought process and exploring whether I want to do that or not, it is through such a different lens now, um, where I have so much experience now with not only myself, but with other clients and understanding, because when I competed, I loved it for that period of time, but I ended up on the, you know, the other end of the spectrum where I was so hyper-focused on my health. And I look back at pictures and I'm like, Oh my God, if you didn't know me, if you didn't know I was training, you would think I was on drugs or something because I looked so 
depleted. Um, and I didn't realize that at the time. So now that I have that different lens and I have all of these other tools and skills that I can go into it with, um, I'm, I am interested to see if I go down that path one more time, you know, how that feels different for me this time. Yeah, that would, that would be amazing to see, cause I'm sure it would be. And I think it's also important to emphasize this because I think it normalizes the fact that women of all body shapes and sizes, women of all athletic ability struggle with these issues, right? I think um, there's there's this big movement right now towards body positivity, and I get it. Um, I very much get it. But I also I also think that we should be allowed to do things for ourselves that make us feel better and that make us healthier. And I like this story that this personal story that you have, because I think it illustrates this beautifully. I think it's, it's easier as a bigger woman to embrace the, you know, the body positivity thing, because it's just so visible. We, we wear our issues with food very clearly on our body, less, less so than, than other women do. And the concern, I don't know why I'm going on this tangent. I just feel called to do it, but I, I feel like sometimes we use body positivity as an excuse to avoid things that we know that we need to work on. And I know people are going to, you know, have judgments for me, for me saying that. And I just want to be clear that I still think we should absolutely love the bodies that we're in, but if we are punishing our bodies with food or with exercise, right, then I think that we have to take a look at, at what's going on there. I, you just like hit me at a soul level because I feel like I preach this concept so much and I struggle sometimes with communicating that as well, because I, I feel both sides of that coin being someone who wants to help women be healthier, but also um, I'm a firm believer that it's absolutely possible and okay. And we should love our bodies with where we're at right now. Um, and so that's something I'm, I'm always talking about is that I don't think that, um, self-love and self-improvement have to be mutually exclusive. I think that we can love our bodies for what they've carried us through in life, what they do for us on a day-to-day basis, and still desire to make choices that, you know, might be healthier or might be more in line with whatever our goal is. And so when I talk with clients about this, when we first start, I'm always trying to get to the root of what is your intention? You know, why do you want to achieve whatever this goal is? Is it because you think that it's going to, you know, make you better, make you more lovable, make you more worthy, or is it because you genuinely you know, you want to show up in a more powerful way. You want to have more energy. You want to feel better. You want to show up for others better. And you know that when you put that energy and effort into becoming the best version of yourself, that you can do that. And so I try to dissect that with people, um, because I do think that there is a, a good and a not so good reason (laughs) for why we do the things that we do. But I do think it is very important for people to understand that you can love yourself completely for who you are and how you look and how you show up right now and still desire to take the steps necessary to change that. Right. And, you know, one thing like this, this thought just came into my head while you were talking, it's that if we truly did love our bodies, would we feed it in a way that makes us feel bloated and heavy and gross? Would we do punishing exercise that makes us actually hurt? Would we actually sit on our ass all day long? Like, is that actually how we would treat our bodies if we truly loved it? 
Right. And I think that the answer, yeah, to that is it's obvious we probably wouldn't, or, you know, it's not something we're ever going to be you know, perfect at, but that has been something that's been one of the biggest parts of my journey. That's been so rewarding is learning to see my body and really think at it, think about it at a cellular level of what this body is doing for me every single day. If I put something in it that I know is not going to serve me at my highest purpose, it's trying to fix that. It's constantly working toward bringing me back to where I need to be. And like, when I realized that, and I realized how much my body loves me because it spends its entirety of life on this planet, just trying to help me get back to my homeostasis. I was like, that is like, I get the chills. Like that is so beautiful. And so why would I not try to do the same for it? Right. And I think it's teaching the mind body connection is so powerful for this very reason, because I think so many of us are so disconnected from our bodies that we can hear it screaming at us, right? And it is trying so hard to maintain that homeostasis and sending us messages to help that we just can't hear. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, I also look at symptoms that we experience. I try to have my clients, you know, when they're very frustrated with what's going on to be grateful that that's just a message. It's just a message from your body. We have to learn to feel it, interpret it, and then figure out what we need to do to, you know, get rid of that, obviously, but it's, it's because your body was, was trying to tell you something and it just means we need to listen. Yeah, exactly. And so do you have any tips for women who are maybe struggling with this? With which aspect? Just, the- with, you know, connecting again bringing the body and the mind back together. My first piece of advice would be to be patient with yourself. This is not, I think in the world of social media and online marketing and all of these things and, you know, wonderful coaches and and practitioners with programs, it's very easy to get caught into a, like a six week or an eight week mindset, because we see a lot of programs like that. Not to say that those aren't great. I've led programs like that in the past, Um, but just to understand that this is a lifelong practice. It really is. um, And that's okay. And that's honestly the beautiful part about it. So when you can learn to be patient with yourself and learn to enjoy and love the process, as opposed to fixating on the end result, I think that um, it's much easier to change those habits, to change those thought patterns. Um, It's much easier to tune back in um, and also not to be afraid to sit still with yourself. Um, I used to be someone who constantly needed to be around other people. I constantly needed to be doing something. And I realized that that was a tactic that I was using because A, I wasn't happy with who I was. I didn't have the tools that I needed to deal with the trauma that I had been through. And so I was avoiding it. And when I finally was able to seek out the help and the resources that I needed and learn to sit with myself um, and be comfortable with where I was at, knowing that that wasn't going to be forever, that's when I was really able to start tuning into my body and, and just being okay with whatever was coming up and not being attached to it. Right. And I think that's that, that concept of letting go a little bit is so important with all of this. And I look at women who just so desperately want to lose their weight that they can't, they can't focus on everything else. Everything becomes about the calories, the number on the scale, you know, what's, what's going on with the food, what's going on with the exercise. And I, I preach this too, is letting go of that outcome and focusing instead on how you're showing up for yourself day in and day out. 
and focusing on the actions and the decisions and how you're feeling right now versus, you know, this magical number you hope to one day, you know, reach on the scale that really at the end of the day means absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've been there on both sides and it's, it has no bearing on whether you really feel happy or how you really feel within your body. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And so I think this mindset stuff is super important. We talk about it all the time on this podcast, but I think it's important to talk about some of the stuff that's going on in our body as well. Right. And so you, you also teach about hormones and how that affects our bodies and probably our mind body connection and the role that our gut plays in all of this as well. Any thoughts on that? Lots of thoughts, probably. Lots of thoughts. Yeah, that's a loaded, <laughs> loaded question. That's, I feel like that's a whole topic in itself. Um, no, but just to start on that is yes. Um, and that's one of the things I have a lot of women who are so focused on that calories in versus calories out that they don't realize that they look at their body as more of a bank account as opposed to a chemistry lab. And I'm so I'm constantly trying to educate on okay, if you know, we have our endocrine system is not working optimally or we have gut issues. Um you know, not only is that affecting how we feel, which can affect the decisions we make, but physiologically, we're not, our body's not primed to carry out the reactions that it needs to do in order to lose weight with greater ease or to balance our hormones, um, things like that. So I, first and foremost, I'm always trying to educate clients on just the fact that we're so, our body is all integrated. It's all interconnected. And, you know, for the purpose of science, it's become very easy to cut it into little pieces and sections and systems and organs and talk about what each thing does in a silo. But in reality, we don't exist in a vacuum. And so there's so many different variables at play that are happening all at the same time. And that's, you know, not just internally, but externally in our environment as well. And so learning how to take all of those things into consideration to figure out what is really the best course of action for someone and, or, you know, where are their issues really stemming from? Um, Because so many different things manifest in very similar ways. Can you give an example? Yes. Um, let me think of one that just comes to mind. Um, you know, so for instance, I have clients who let's just say have, you know, really bad PMS symptoms or, you know, just terrible periods. And I think that's something that we have kind of normalized. (laughs) Um, I've had clients who've definitely dealt with those symptoms for years and I'm like, you know, that's not, it's not normal. It's common. It's not normal. Um, but understanding that our gut health does play a role in how our um, hormones are metabolized, how estrogen is or isn't excreted properly from the body. So saying, you know, okay, you have all these symptoms. It sounds like you might have estrogen dominance. Well, first let's try to get your doctor to order some lab tests, or let's run them through a third-party lab company. If we need to, let's see if that's actually what's going on before we just throw a supplement that's going to lower estrogen at it or do something like that. But let's also look at what's going on in the gut. Um, Are we having overlapping symptoms? Um, Is that playing a role in why we're not metabolizing those things properly? Um, Or subsequently too, are we experiencing nutrient deficiencies because our gut is not able to digest, absorb, and assimilate our food properly? And then that is causing some hormonal chaos down the line. So kind of you know, what's the chicken and what's the egg. And, you know, I don't know that there's ever really a super clear cut answer, but kind of looking at it from a more zoomed out picture as well um, is very helpful. At least I find in practice. 
Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, I love that we're talking about periods and that I love what you say about like lots of people have big, heavy um, and, and painful periods and that it's common and not normal. And I often look at the female reproductive system and I'm saying this as a coach, not, not a physician at the, at the moment, right. As almost a barometer of our overall health, because it is so exquisitely sensitive to everything, right. You exercise too much, you lose your periods, you restrict too much, you lose your period, right. It's, it's all, you know, yeah, such a good, barometer of the stress response and other things in your body. And it's definitely something that we don't talk nearly enough about. Yeah. 100%. I've had women who I will ask them how their cycle was and they're like, Oh, you know, I had this and this, but totally normal. And I'm like, sister, that is not, that's not normal. (laughs) You might've experienced that for a long time. So you've normalized it, or, you know, maybe you had a doctor who didn't have that level of education in that area, or just didn't acknowledge it. So it normalized it for you. But I can tell from my personal experience, like three or four days of not great sleep in a month. And I can tell in my following cycle, when it comes that there is something a little off, I can, and I can pinpoint it directly back to, you know, increased stress, um, decreased recovery, just any kinds of things like that, that were throwing me off my balance. Yeah, 110% me too, right? And we even saw during the the pandemic, the effects COVID had on the female reproductive system too, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. We don't talk nearly enough about it. And I think the other thing that we don't talk enough about is gut health, or when we do, we talk about it um, in this nebulous way that, you know, isn't really well defined. So can we talk about that for a minute? Absolutely. Like what, when, when we talk about gut health, what, what do we actually mean? Well, in my opinion, when we talk about gut health, we're talking, I, I mean, so at a high level, obviously we're talking about our entire digestive tract, but in my opinion, when we're talking about gut health, we're also talking about hormone health. We're also talking about brain health. Um, we also, you know, we know that the brain and the gut are connected. Um, so much of our serotonin and our other neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. So I think, you know, if we wanted to really dive into that, when we talk about gut health, we are also talking about mental health. We're talking about, you know, the health of our entire body. And I know when I um, was going through, I think it was my nutritional therapy certification program. One of the quotes that just stood out to me was um, an old Hippocrates quote. And he said, when you don't know what to treat, treat the gut. Um, and, you know, it just shows how profound um, and how big of an impact the gut plays in our overall health. So I think when we talk about gut health, we're really talking about, you know, overall health. We're talking about our immune system as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most of us probably have an intuitive sense that there is a connection between our brain and our gut, right? Because like, how often do you get butterflies in your stomach when you're nervous or excited or feel a pit in your stomach when you're stressed or get diarrhea when you're stressed, right? I mean, I think we all intuitively know that, that there is a link there. And I know for myself that there is absolutely a link between me eating poorly. And when I say poorly, I mean, eating a lot of processed foods and my mood. 
like 110%. I know for sure, if I eat junk food, I'm going to be down, not just like physically and energetically, but mood wise for days um, afterwards as well. And like that, that is what I think when I think about, you know, gut health, because I know that whatever I put in it is going to affect me in many ways. 100%. I'm the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think most of us actually are. Right, right. I pro- probably. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating. I'm studying for, I'm, I'm Canadian, but um, I'm, I'm studying for my uh, boards um, in obesity medicine in the States. And we're just in this lovely section of letters, um, lectures on the microbiome, mm-hmm. which just has me also very, very um, excited. And I think what I love about that research is that it's just shining light on like, not just how important the microbiome is, but how, our decisions and our behaviors over the course of our life affect that biome, which then affects our health on a, on a broader scale. And so I, like, I don't think any of this is something that we should be taking lightly. Like it's a, it's a pretty big deal. I totally agree with you. And I think it's such an exciting area too, because we have discovered so much in recent years about the microbiome, but there, it is still like the wild, wild West. There's still so much we don't know, and we're still learning. And I think Um, It's amazing. But I, I know personally, I'm just so happy that it's being brought more to the forefront in traditional medical communities as well. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I, like, I can't wait to see what comes out from all of this Mm -hmm. because it's just, just so compelling in so many ways, but if let's like along this line of thinking, if you look at women who are trying to lose weight or just trying to change their body composition in in some way on paper, it looks like they're doing everything right. And they're not seeing the change. What advice do you have there? Like particularly in terms of how this discussion in terms of, you know, the mind body connection, and then also what's happening with our hormone systems and our gut health, how can we, you know, bring data from all of these um, realms into figuring out what the heck's going on when we're not seeing the changes that we want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first thing from more of a mindset perspective for anyone um, out there who is struggling to kind of get those results, but feels like you're doing all of the right things again, um, to be patient and to get curious. I think it's very easy to take all of the conflicting information that you see online or on social media and say, well, I'm doing this, this, and this, why is it not working? And that, you know, it, a, Maybe it's not what you individually need at the moment. Maybe that's not the right, the right nutrition plan or the right workout or, um, you know, what, for whatever your goal is, um, also, you know, encouraging people to work with practitioners who are going to help them dive into these different areas. Um, I mean, it is so beneficial when you have someone who can say, okay, this is what you're doing. This is where you're at. Um, maybe that is great. Maybe this isn't what you need. Maybe we need to run lab work. Maybe we need to get that other data so we can see what's going on physiologically within the body, but also, you know, where are you at? Where's your mindset at? Um, You know, what is holding you back? I do. I'm a firm believer and I haven't read any actual scientific peer reviewed research on this, but um, from my own experience, I feel as though our body um, serves to protect us. So I do think sometimes when um, I have women who 
struggle with getting that weight off. Some, some of the questions I'll ask them is like, what else are you holding on? Is there something else in life? Are you holding on to? Is it a relationship? Is it a loss? Is there something that you're not able to let go of or something that you feel that you need your body to protect you from maybe something that happened in your past? Um, so just exploring those things very gently. Um, and I think that's where the beauty of the mind body connection comes in, because I think that, you know, we, we have the things that we need to do with our habits, with our nutrition, with our exercise, with, you know, our lifestyle, all of these things to support our physiology, but we also have to ask ourselves what's going on mentally, what's going on emotionally. Um, and what are we not allowing to, um, you know, come forward for us so that we can move forward. It's like, a you know, any other block that you might have in life. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I mean, I'm maybe as a physician and a scientist, I shouldn't, you know, agree with this statement, but my experience and what I've seen in so many women's lives is that what you're saying is exactly true. Um, and I mean, I've witnessed it in my own life and my own body as well, like 100%. There's, there's just no way um, around it. I would sure love for there to be a study um, that could show this because I think, I think this is where the money um, is actually at. And I mean, we could maybe maybe talk about it in terms of, you know, cortisol and stress and, you know, the, the things like that. And, you know, there probably is some physiological explanation for why, when we're holding on to things, um, that we're, we're holding on to weight too. Um, but you're right. I've seen it. I've seen it so many times that as soon as women make that connection, the weight just goes, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it really just goes. I, I yeah. think what's been difficult in the scientific community too, is just, there's not an easy way to quantify that, right? Like there's not, it's really difficult to quantify someone's emotion or feeling. And so I think when it's, um, and it's something that we can't visibly see through a microscope microscope <laughs> necessarily. So I think that, um, I mean, you being a scientist and, and, you know, making that statement is very, um, progressive. And I think that is where it's going to go. I just think that the scientific community has had a hard time quantifying those variables and, and you know, putting yeah. something together that's tangible. And I think, you know, that almost even leads into the discussion of science versus spirituality and how that, you know, intersects, which is, yeah, whole other topic. Yeah, whole other fascinating topic yeah, though. This yeah. really is. I think like this is exactly why I coach as well mm-hmm. as as practice medicine, right? Because I you know, I was older when I went to medical school. I was 32. And um had that's kind of around the time I started struggling with my weight a little bit more, and I truly thought that medicine would give me the answers to this. And I was shocked when I went through my whole medical degree and had maybe 10 minutes of teaching on nutrition. And it was how to feed like patients with breathing tubes in the ICU, right? Like that, that was the whole 10 minutes that I got in all of my medical training on, on nutrition. And then we're expected to treat patients <laughs> with conditions of which the way they eat is directly contributing. And so there's, there was just no end of frustration for me because I didn't get the answers that I needed for myself. I had to go, I had to go somewhere else. Right. And this is definitely, I, th- I think there's room for both. I think there needs to be, you know, the science and the physiology and the labs and the things to give some data. But I think the bigger work is this whole piece of it, um, which is why I coach as well as doctor 
right? And I think the the biggest mistake that we make with ma- with weight loss is putting people on the scale because you can be doing such tremendous work. I'm going to get emotional here. Mm-hmm. You can be doing such tremendous work on the inside and facing difficult traumas from the past, difficult emotions that scare the pants off of you doing just absolutely amazing work that is changing you in ways that nobody else can see. And then somebody puts you on the scale and says, you're not doing good enough. And I think that is just, we do so much harm to people when we don't acknowledge all of the amazing work that they are doing to improve their health and change their bodies. Right. I completely agree. And thank you for sharing that. Your story is so beautiful. And I, I love that you do both because I do think that that's one of the beautiful things about being a coach and having a coach. And just the fact that we, that that is an offering um, is because, you know, I agree that there's a time and place for all ends of medicine, but when you go into your doctor's office and you see them for 10 minutes, they don't know that you've been putting all that work and they don't, and you're right. It is, it can be detrimental. Um, I have a client who suffers just someone who recently signed on with me, but she for years has suffered with um, cystic acne and her dermatologist just recently told her that she was a conundrum um, and just, she didn't feel good about it. She came out of her appointment and immediately messaged me and like was so down. Down. And I'm like, look, we're going to, we're going to work on this. <laughs> like, it's okay. But yeah. like to see that person, and I mean, she's been putting in, you know, the work on the other end and she's going through major life transitions. So to be a coach and help women acknowledge all these other areas that they are improving in just because that we have one, you know, metric that isn't really a true reflection of, of anything that's that useful. Yeah. And it's also not just that doctors aren't acknowledging all of this work that people are often doing is that they don't even know how important this work is to begin with. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, you know, there's, there's countless examples in medicine of women who come or men too, people who come into the office at 300 pounds and get the lecture on losing weight from their doctor, not knowing that they've just lost a hundred, right? Like it's right. Like it's, it's um, I, I love medicine in lots of ways. I mean, I do emergency medicine because I, then I can like actually fix broken things, right? Bo- broken bones, and people, <laughs> heart attacks and, right? These things. But, and I think the reason why I do that is because so much of the rest of medicine is just, I'm going to just go out there and say missing the mark in a lot of, in a, in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, certainly what I feel part of my job is, is to educate my colleagues to just even just open their minds up a little bit to the possibility that medicine can work in conjunction even with some of these other, other, other modalities. Not if we actually worked together to do what's right for the patient, like, I think we could just make such a huge difference in the world. Right. I completely agree. That's literally my dream is to see that integrated model where we have doctors and coaches and other practitioners working together as one network, as opposed to, um, you know, saying who knows best and who doesn't. Right. I I would love nothing more than that. And I, I would also love for it to become more mainstream to use nutrition to treat a lot of the chronic diseases that, that we have, because there is no shortage of, of, of evidence that this actually works. But when 
physicians are not given any education on the topic, then of course, it's not something that, um, that we're, we're able to provide. So like, I think so much work needs to be done in, in that area too. And I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but I I think it's been, I think it's been amazing. So thank you for indulging me on my little soapbox there. Anytime. I I find myself often on that same tangent as well. So I think it was just naturally had to go there. Right. right. It's it's good. But I just, I, I love the approach that you take um, with your clients. It all just feels very aligned with the way I think the world should be working. So thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Absolutely. Um, You know, when, when a woman, I'm not quite done with you yet though. When, When a woman first comes to you though, and they're, they're struggling, let's just say with weight loss, what's, what's your first step with them? My first step with anyone is setting up a phone call, of course, um, mainly because I want to get to know them and where they're at. And of course, make sure that I'm a good fit for them, that they're a good fit for me, vice versa, all of those things. And to just connect with them. I think that, you know, whether or not I can help someone or not help someone, you also want to, especially coaching is so intimate. You want to work with someone who shares a similar vibe. You want to really connect with that person. So I try to feel that out and make sure that they can connect with me. I can connect with them. Um, also sometimes, you know, it comes down to telling clients that I'm not what they need right now. I've, I've had certainly people who need help and I'd love to help them, but I've had to, um, you know, address other things like, you know, crippling anxiety and emotions and trauma that I really feel need to be addressed with someone who has that expertise before I'm really going to be able to move their needle. And I'm not in the business of taking people's money and wasting their time. So I set up a phone call with them first and foremost, and assuming it's a good fit, um, they get to go through my very lengthy onboarding process <laughs> where I ask them all the questions um, and then typically some more questions. Um, and then we really start digging into what's going on, what their goals are, where they're at now. And I have clients who are ready to, you know, jump in and hit the ground running full speed. And I have others who require a much simpler, gentler approach. So I just look at what, what they want and where they're at. And I try to triage what I think is going to get them the most progress that is also sustainable for what they're willing to do in their lifestyle um, and just start chipping away at that. And and then working from there, I'm constantly checking in with my clients on a weekly basis. Um, A lot of them I dialogue with pretty much on a daily basis. And so, you know, I always want for me, one of the biggest things that's, that's been so important in my, um, my business is to make sure that my clients feel that they can constantly come to me and be supported. I've never wanted to have that model of here's your, your plan. I'll talk to you in a week, two weeks, a month. Um, because I think, you know, that's, again, we, we live in a very dynamic world and things come up, you know, you, people have questions or also going back to that emotional, um, you know, aspect of things like there are days that suck and it it makes it difficult for us to, um, to show up and to, to execute. And I mean, there's going to be days where we don't, and that's okay, but I want to make sure that my people feel that they can just have an ear and have someone to lean on when those days come up. That's amazing, Ali. And so if people are interested in working with you or learning more about you, where can they find you? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is at AliCassHealth. Um, you can also visit my website. It's www.AliCassHealth. And then I do have an option both in my Instagram bio and on my website to book 
what I call a free health audit. And that's where we just really spend some time getting to know each other, digging into your goals, looking at what might be the obstacles standing in your way and um, deciding if you are a good fit for coaching or if there's maybe something else I can help you with or somewhere I can direct you so that you can get the results that you're looking for. Amazing. And are you working with people one-on-one? I am. Yes. Currently I I am just one-on-one group in the future, but I just, I value those, those relationships so much. And um, so that's where we're at now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds amazing. Ellie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Do you have any last words of wisdom before we sign off today? Um, continue listening to Michelle's podcast for one. <laughs> because I love it. <laughs> this has been such a great conversation and I can only imagine that all the rest of them are amazing as well. Um, no, but I, I just, one thing I want women to take away is that we have to be our own biggest advocates for our health. Um, no one is going to come save us. I think that there's a lot of reliance on, you know, at least here in the States on government or, um, you know, medical society and and all of these things. And, um, there are many doctors and practitioners and people who genuinely want to help you. There's others, not so much. So you always have to be your own biggest advocate, ask questions. Um, if you don't think that you're getting the right answer, don't be afraid to ask someone else and seek other answers and other opinions. And I think that's one thing that as women and, and people in general, once we start really owning that part of our lives, that we can influence the model and the community so much more by asking those questions and owning that our health is ours. Um, and that, you know, it's our responsibility. So that's all that I have. I love that. Again, I'm wishing I could bold and underline advocate for yourself. That is, that's, that's a perfect message to end on. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ellie. Thank you. there it is. I hope you enjoyed that. I I think you can tell how much fun I had talking to Ellie, just so much in common in terms of our approach. If you are looking to up-level your health, your weight, your nutrition, the relationship with food, your life in general, my program, Nourish Yourself Body and Mind, is the perfect place for you. To learn out more about that, just go to www.waysahealth.com forward slash nourish dash yourself or email me anytime at michelle at waysahealth.com and we can chat about how we can help you further. I'll see you next week.